Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Adu, coming to you from East Lake Gone in Accra. We're at a little cafe. It's called Little Paris. Little Paris, Petit Paris. And it's at the ANC Mall. And just a little side story. Next week, I'm traveling to Cape Town and it is for a birthday party for one of the, the family members that owns ANC Mall. So yeah, so it's kind of like fitting. And then I'm also going through your home. Mm -hmm. So it's just all come together, it's this come whole together. thing. So we have an interesting episode for you today, folks. We're, we're doing a revisit. This is my first revisit and I'm so excited because after doing this for now almost four years, mm. I see my friends and they're doing different things and, and you know, just everyone's doing something different. So I'm, I'm really excited, you know, to, to revisit and see what's new and, and still understand what global citizenship and how it's evolving. So let me do a refresher on her bio and then that might give you a little idea about what, what her episodes were. But yes, you are in for a great part three, part four, part five conversation. So let me get, get straight to her bio. She is a conflict resolution and healing practitioner who hails from X and X. We're going to talk about that. So I'm just going to keep that blank for now, but now resides in X. <laughs> With over a decade of work experience under her belt, she's developed and managed various programs related to gender, peace, security, and anti-racist race relations. She is a staunch advocate for women's empowerment, human rights, refugees, immigrants, displaced communities, and the fight against early child marriage. She is co-director and co-founder of the Nyaiden Foundation. She also works as an adjunct professor at both Arcadia University and Webster University here in Ghana. And if you if you recall, folks, last week our guest was the campus director. So this is all just kind of the network of family and sisterhood here. At Webster University, she provides academic support and teaches introduction to human rights, refugee and migration movement, advocacy, NGO and civil society. She's also involved in teaching conflict transformation, restorative justice, mediation, and conflict coaching in the International Peace and Conflict Resolution IPCR program at Arcadia University. So prior to her relocation, she served as Director of Equity and Inclusion for Cora Services. And you might remember, so in the show notes, folks, I will absolutely be putting a link to our first conversation. And I'm so excited to welcome back to the podcast, Yamal Tudil. Thank you for having welcome me back. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you for having me back. So I'm your first Yes. Oh, well, yes. To do a yes. returnee. Yes. Oh, this is lovely. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, I thought about changing up the the, the standard format, but mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely still fitting. Yeah. So let's start again because there was some context to the questions when I first asked mm -hmm. you, and so let's start again. Where are you from? Where are you local? And what is your craft. Oh, lovely. Okay, so where I'm from it was X and X, right? Now I get to tell you. Mm -hmm. I am originally from South Sudan in Ethiopia. I know many people are like, wait, how, who, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I, uh, particularly when Ghanaians ask me here, mm -hmm. right? Because there's a level of imagery when I say Ethiopia, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, it's the light skin, mm -hmm, the blonde, mm -hmm. long hair. Yeah. 
you know, and I'm over here deeply melanated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they were like, but how could you be Ethiopian? You're black, you're dark. And I'm just like, how can I not be, right. right? So what they see in media, I'm just like, that's just like one or two ethnic groups. Mm. Ethiopia has over 80 ethnic groups, right? Mm -hmm. And my, the newer people is who my people are. Yeah. They happen to be border people. So I'm like, it's kind of like the airways here, right? They're in Togo and they're in Ghana. Right. So right, right, yeah. the newer people are in uh, South Sudan. We're the second largest ethnic group in South Sudan. Okay. In Ethiopia, we're one of the minority ethnic groups. So sure. I said, I know what it feels to have privilege and what it feels to not have privilege. Right. Yeah. Right. So let me ask you, and I don't mean to break in, yeah, but, no but when you look at the population, like percentage wise, what, first of all, what is the population of Ethiopia? Bro, I don't know. We have to Google that. <laughs> okay, we'll Google that. We'll so then as a percentage, that. what yeah. would you, from your, your tribe? So, you know, because there's been conflict, yeah. right? So the percentage of the population has, you know, mm -hmm. won't be the same. It won't be mm -hmm. the same, right? With the recent conflicts that have happened in the Chigurai region, now it's the Amara region, and then the Gambela region, which I'm, where I'm from, mm. right? So those are conflicts that people don't even know about. They just know the Tigray, and now they're starting to know the Amara. Mm -hmm. And then they don't even know about the conflict in the Gambela region because, oh, there's a lot of po political dynamics with that, mm -hmm. right? But then we're also small ethnic groups. So the government really doesn't pay that much attention either. Mm. Yes. So the percentage is, is it differs, right? Uh, we're a very small percentage in the Ethiopian region. Okay. But in South Sudan, we're one of the largest. So that's where I'm from. Okay. What was the other question? You're local. I'm local. Oh, so my locality has changed. Yes. When we last talked, I was visiting yes. Ghana, yeah. particularly Accra, yeah. uh, for my birthday. Yeah. So we met and then I left and then I came back. So I'm a local to Accra. I drew Ghana. Okay. <laughs> East Lagan is my neighborhood. Sure. I guess my playground. Yeah. So I could say I've, I'm a local to Accra now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Almost two years. Okay. Yeah. And so she she mentioned Adringanor and East Lagan, which at one point mm -hmm. was a suburb of the central Accra area. Like I have friends who lived here and they can remember when it was when, bush yes yep. yes a lot of people are like oh that was bush yes it's bushland yes. right so yes. those that live in let's say cantonment labon yes. like the older neighborhood yes osu yes and i'm like i'm in i'm in east Lagan, i'm in ajungano they were like oh those were bush yeah like the landmark American house. I didn't even uh -huh. I didn't even realize where it was because yeah. I'm like this American house, right? What is it? Exactly. And then I was shown. I was like, yeah. oh, that's it. Yeah, that was a big landmark because it was the first big building. Uh huh. Yeah, one of the first big buildings, and so now things have developed around it. Mm -hmm. We have real major roads around it, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's now cosmopolitan. Uh -huh. So it's a place you definitely want to come visit when you come to Accra. Yes. Okay. So the last time you said you are very crafty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So so tell us what 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 would you describe as your craft now. oh lord you know i'm a black woman and i'm an african woman right when people say what do you do i'm like what don't i do mm -hmm. <laughs> that should be the question yeah. so my craft has it's still the same but has yeah. changed sure right because when i was in the u.s my craft looked a bit different okay i was doing a lot of anti-racist work mm -hmm. i was doing a lot of i was still teaching which i still do mm -hmm. and i love i fell in love with teaching i will forever do that mm -hmm. and i think that's why i found teaching in the continent as mm -hmm. well so my craft has change a bit i was in the ngo space i'm still in the ngo space but i've taken on a consultancy okay right so yes. i am the ceo of the nyamal group okay. yes and then i'm also right. still doing the nya eden foundation yeah 
So, but the Yamal group is, we basically deal in conflict resolution, right? Mm -hmm. And we do executive coaching, we do training. I find that there's a lot of soft conflict in the continent, mm -hmm. particularly in Ghana, mm -hmm. that we don't want to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I tell Ghanaians is that they're like, oh, you know, you, you moved to Ghana because it's so peaceful. I'm like, yes, it is. But there's a lot of passive aggressive behavior <laughs> in this country and people don't want to confront conflict. Mm -hmm. And there's conflict is normal. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with conflict, mm -hmm. healthy conflict, right? Mm -hmm. But when it's suppressed, then it does boil down to yeah. something bigger, yeah. right? Yes. I'm finding out that there's different ways of teaching people that conflict is healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so my craft has changed a bit of me now owning my own than being out there. Mm. Right? I love yes, that. yes. Yeah. Yes. The entrepreneur has yep. fully emerged. It has emerged. As is necessary often here yeah. on the continent. Yeah. I love that. So we'll talk more about like what you're doing mm -hmm. in that particular regard. But let's let's figure out what happened what's happened in the last two years. So it was about two years ago. Yeah. Because we're we're mm -hmm. nearing your birthday oh, again. No, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So you're 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 leaning towards a two-year-ish yep. anniversary to your first introduction yes. to Ghana mm -hmm. and Accra. So so tell us now, why the where? Ooh, why the where? So when I, I needed to come back to the continent, mm -hmm. honestly, mm -hmm. for, and I think we even talked about it in our first episode mm -hmm. uh, when we met and just in my circle, right? Everybody in the U.S. knew that Yamal had to exit Mm. <laughs> go mm -hmm. back home. It was like mm -hmm. all of my friends that knew that were looking for opportunities. They always had me in mind because I've always wanted to come to the continent. Mm -hmm. And I think a crowd was a soft landing for me. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about spirituality, I'm a person that practices Buddhism and African spirituality. And so I had a conversation with the universe, the ancestors, God, uh, however you may call higher being. And I was like, I'm ready to leave. Mm. I'm grateful to America. But I needed to come home and utilize my skills here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I was seeing that the impact that I would be making here it would have such a greater ripple effect than the work that I was doing in the U.S. Yeah. As much as I was making an impact there, particularly when I'm doing my training, the conflict resolution training and the anti-racist work. I can change people in my present, but when they go back to their communities, they still have to deal with, do I acknowledge my white privilege and, and actually move from it and shake and use what I've been taught? Mm -hmm. Or do I just continue to be in my community and not shake it? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was, and it was, it was draining. It was really draining being a black woman and having to teach white people how to treat us. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then I, I remember my first class that I taught uh, virtually while I was here is conflict transformation. And uh, one of the first activities that I do with my students is an identity mapping. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, yeah. So like with my white students, we would ask them, you know, who were your people before they copped into whiteness? Mm. Right. And the same thing with my African-American sure. students. Who were your who were your people before slavery? If you can trace back. OK. Right. Okay. Uh, and if you can't trace back, who were they in the Americas? OK. So for okay. me, my identity mapping, of course, it's always like black woman in corporate black. Sure. Woman. And when I came to Accra, I was like, oh, I'm just a woman. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like the black yeah. had to drop off because I'm in a black nation, right? Yeah. And that's not the biggest identity sure. anymore. Sure, um, sure. Wow. Now the diaspora identity because of my accent. It's okay. like, oh, you're an American, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, for me, 
I had to I had to come back to the continent. Got it. Uh, spiritually, I had to come back. Yeah. Physically, I had to come back. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, during COVID, I discovered that I'm very transparent when it comes to my health, and a lot of our people don't realize that being African and for me being this melanated, I was diagnosed with SAD. Yes. 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 And I self-diagnosed myself, folks. That's part of the reason why I'm here too. And SAD (laughs) stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder. Disorder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I needed the sun. Yeah. I needed a sun sister. I needed the sun badly. Sure. And luckily I had a therapist then that was a sister and she was like, uh, I remember I I had to go to Miami for two weeks during the winter because I needed that physical sun. Mm-hmm. Um, the lamps weren't doing it for me okay. and any of that stuff. And my therapist at the time was like, sis, do you see how black you are? Girl, you need a sun. You know, because, you know, I think us as a people. Oh, yes, we, yeah, we under-absorb. Yes, we yeah. under-absorb. But then I think us as a people, when new words are introduced to us, we're like, oh, that's white people. <laughs> Not realizing we're vitamin yeah. deficient, yeah. all of these things. So, yeah, I had to come here because I needed the sun. The one aspect. So, yeah. so coming to fully realize this, what you what you were gained by being in the U.S. Right, that mm-hmm. that education, that exposure, mm-hmm. that's one, mm-hmm. and to fulfill your potential. And then the other is Emirates. <laughs> 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 That's another thing, folks. That East Lagon is directly under the flight pattern. Yeah, pretty much every plane passes over. Yes. So we just saw a plane landing Emirates. We're it's like Emirates. Daily. Yeah. yeah. Instead of like um, watching cars, we yeah. watch planes. Yeah. We're like, oh, it's It's Emirates yeah. on time. It's well, a very yeah. East Lagon thing to do. Yeah. And when is British Airways coming? And all it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so funny. I love. I love that about you know being a local. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so seasonal effective. Yep. You needed to come. Yeah. And that's basically Africa. Yeah. Became mm-hmm. your home. Yeah. And Accra because you were able to find a soft yeah. landing yep. with the role mm-hmm. that you that you were in at the time. Yeah. But it sounds like you've moved on. Yeah, I've hour. transitioned. Yeah, I've transitioned from that role. Yes. And we, you know, we don't have to. Yeah. No, go we don't. Yeah, no, we that, don't. But 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 it's how it's kind of the ways of being an expat. Yeah. Right. It's like you come, you you find your way, and then you. You find innovate. Your exactly. You find exactly. You find mm-hmm. your, your community, and then you innovate. Ecosystem. We were talking about exactly. ecosystem. Yes. Exactly. Uh-huh. So now we understand that you're here, mm-hmm. and so what inspired you beyond just kind of needing to leave that yeah. role to to now focus specifically on the Yamal Group? Yeah. And uh, and where has it taken you so far? Ooh. So the Yamal Group is is you know it's fairly recent because I was doing the work and. Uh, uh, not realizing what I was doing until Sister Esther Emma called me in. Another global citizen. You know, the ecosystem and the sisterhood in Accra is when you find your people, it's a beautiful thing. And I love that we can call each other in lovingly. We can recognize each other gifts mm. and say, Sister, mm. I see this gift. You're underutilizing it. Mm. Let me help you. Mm. Right. Yes. Yeah. So Esther was like, Sis, do you know what you're doing? You're a connector. I could just call you and be like, oh, I need somebody for this and this. And you'd be like, give me a day. And then you'll just go in and you will match me with somebody that 
exude what I needed, right? And vice versa. So that's how the Nepal group was born, actually. Because she's like, you're doing the work, just put it under one umbrella, right? Whether it was my coaching work, it was my um, healing work, right? And my healing work is not only through, I started with healing through beauty, right? Because as a very melanated woman in uh, America, it was difficult, but then also coming to Africa, the level of healing that we have to do from a colorist lens, from colonial. Yeah. Oh, I was like, so there's no break. We're dealing with white supremacy, mindsets of colorism. And then I come to Accra and deal with the mindset of colonial colorism. I mean, empire, it's crazy. So like on any given day, I would hear, oh, Tum Tum Bruni, (laughs) hey, you're black. Oh, madam, you know your black is shiny, <laughs> right? Meanwhile, folks, most of our, our brothers from the north are as brown. And actually, we're all dark. Yeah. So, yeah anyway. But, and, yes. and I would ask but them. It's colorism. Yeah, yeah, it's colorism, big time. And I would ask them, like, how do I not look like I'm from the north? They were like, but your black is shiny. It's different. <laughs> like, like, seriously, I'm like, okay, I'm not. So this is my daily encounter. Mm. So, yeah, so just doing some work around healing through beauty because... There is a lot of bleaching, mm-hmm. you know, in this country and just, I, I would say in West Africa, right? Yeah. Ghana and Nigeria predominantly. Yeah. So how do we heal from the European beauty standards? I do a bit of that work. Yeah. Uh, so, so what does that look like when ooh, you're in the practice of it? When I'm in the practice, it's, you know, if you want to do individual work, we do individual work, okay. right? And then if it's group work, I do circle processes. Okay. We go back under the tree. Uh huh. But find the root of where it started. Yes. Uh huh. Where it started. But then also the African way of working, right? We've always been restorative people. Yeah. And in our last episode, we talked about restorative justice, yeah. right? Yeah. So restorative practices work for everything. We're people. You know, the elders always had that one mango tree that we all would go mm-hmm. either self conflict, mm-hmm. you know, whether do marriages or whatnot. So mm-hmm. when I do group work, it's very intimate, it's very private. But then if it's individual, then we do the coaching. So I often do coaching, okay. Okay. whatever you're dealing with. Okay. Uh-huh. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So that is a service that you can find on her website, which will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that's one side of it and then the conflict resolution side yes so we do it all training conflict coaching um you know whether it's mediation whether it's conflict coaching Mm -hmm. and it's for um, companies right big companies small companies or individuals so let's say if you call me up and say hey yamal i'm having this conflict at work with a colleague and you wanted to do mediation i can do that or if you just wanted to do conflict coaching you don't know how to deal how to approach i can coach you through solving that conflict Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so do you interact so on the corporate level because this is very human resource oriented. So, do you have a lot of like is that part of your strategy? So, so how are you now marketing and, and business developing for for Vietnamese? So it's a bit difficult because I'm new in, oh, okay. in Ghana, right? It's a bit difficult, but people don't understand that when you say conflict, people shy away. So for me, the marketing piece to big corporation is having them see the money lost from employees. 
employees that are not giving, that are not being productive. Yes, because they're dealing with interpersonal conflicts at work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the the work sister that you know they're having conflict because you want to say hi to this person that I'm having conflict with, so I'm going to withhold information that you need for that project. Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's that small yeah, that's stuff. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. So yeah. proactivity slows down. So for me, it's having them see the numbers uh, and how, you know, when you have an institution that could openly talk about conflict, it mm. went arise, right? But then there's also the power dynamics yeah. between uh, employees, supervisors, owners. Yeah. How does that look as well, right? Is sure. it healthy? Yeah. Because if it's not healthy, money's being lost there as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, so sure. for me, it's just been, you know, uh, networking, you know, mm. telling friends like, oh, hey, let me know, you know, if I could have a conversation with your organization and let them know what I can provide and sure. what does it look like. So, but it's difficult being a diasporan mm. and coming to the continent and having to establish your base and your expertise level. Mm. Yeah. But I've been fortunate enough that the sister circle, mm -hmm. you know, are, still yeah, it's still, it's still the yeah. village, the village, yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah. basically saying, oh, you know what? There's this organization that I work with. I think they need a training. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, oh, you know yeah. what? Your mom provides this training, that training. Sure. Reach out. So sure. it's also been word of mouth, not so much um, media. And you know, that that's definitely the way of entrepreneurship and startup because you're you're in startup basically. Mm -hmm. So that it's basically this year mm -hmm. that you started. So we know that you're you're definitely on your way to being successful. And and so I want to kind of touch on what your year has been like because you've traveled. Yes. Yeah, you had a pretty big trip. Yeah. So, I, and I feel like that is going to go a long way to for business development yeah. because that is part of the profile yeah. that is you, that precedes you. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your last few months and, and what you've been doing on the continent. Yes. Oh, hmm. my people. <laughs> Intercontinental traveling in Africa is so expensive. So, oh, they bamboozled us, y'all. It was, it's cheaper to like travel from DC to Addis than it is from Accra to Addis. Mm. So that was a shocker that I learned. What? Yes. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. But I've had a few trips this year uh, for business development. I also I'm also in the media space, right? So I, I, I do content creating as well. So I had the opportunity with my mentor to in February to go to LA okay. to cover the Image Awards. Ah, yeah. So okay. it was amazing. Even though it was raining in LA, oh, I was like, I want to go home and home. I was like, wow. Okay, so you really back? yeah, I'm really yeah. back. I am really back. Yeah. So that was that was a nice break. Mm -hmm. But then also to just see black people coming back out again, right mm -hmm. after COVID. Mm -hmm. Looking regal. Mm -hmm. I remember Shirley Lee, mm -hmm. her dress was made by uh here in Ghana. I think oh, it's really? posh. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made her dress, her gown, it was kente, oh, wow. beaded. I was like, ah, wow. you know, I was like, hey, okay. you know. Okay. So that was that was a really nice trip. And then just being able to go back in the media entertainment space again was really nice and then i did a few more trips but then the big one was august september i went to ethiopia i went back to addis and it was beautiful it was lovely tell us 
first about Ethiopia since it's, yeah, yeah. Fresh, since it's freshest in your mind. Yes. And then tell us uh-huh. about it. Right. So Ethiopia. I went to Ethiopia. I went, you know, Ethiopia's home. Yeah. Right. I went there to actually do business development for the Nyaya, for the Yamal Group and the Nyaiden Foundation. Okay. Because that's still a very a love project for me. Sure. Although I was in Addis, where I spent nine years of my life, and then one year in South Sudan, it was bittersweet. Hmm. Because I was not able to go to the Gambela region because we were at war actively. I was not able to leave Addis because of the other fires, you know, we'll call the war fires. And the Tigray region was kind of like, you know, calm, but then the Amara region was really up. So I could just be in Addis. So tell us a little bit more about what the conflicts are, because we didn't talk about conflicts before. We didn't purposefully, I think, the last time. But we're in a place where... You know, I'm sorry to break it to you folks, but we are in the age of wars. We're back in the age of wars. They they had kind of gone away and I think they bubble up. You know, maybe in the 80s, we had the South American conflicts that were really big. And then we started to bubble some here after Mogadishu and all those things. But we're solidly in the age of global wars, I believe so. So I think it's really important. And especially here, because we are talking about you know, just wanting to inform people about what's going on in the world. I would love to hear more about, you know, what, and I think the listeners would appreciate, like, what exactly is going on? Because we hear war, and actually we don't hear enough about what's going on in Africa. So, so, so tell us, tell us more. Yeah, so I mean, for me, you know, a lot of the wars in the continent are, um, resources and then leaders politicizing their ethnic groups. Right. So a lot of the conflicts have been politicized and then now people are being used against each other. Right. And so it's it's and it's communities. Right. It's kind of like how in Ghana people have intermarried and all of these things. So now you're dividing families because, oh, this ethnic group, that ethnic groups. Right. And so but everything is politicized. It's, it's all about politics. And unfortunately, to say this is men. Can I just name it? It's African men. I am biased. I will be biased. And a few of our sisters, a few of the daughters of Adam. <laughs> right. And um, Sons of Eve. (laughs) Okay. Right. Um, But, you know, so right now we're talking about Israel, but we're as as a continental people, we're not talking about Congo. Congo is on it's it's in it's on fire. Sudan is on fire. Right. Ethiopia is on fire. There's just so many. And then we're not even talking about the coups in West Africa. Oh, Charlie, I'm telling you, (laughs) for those of us that that do conflict resolution uh, and just having to follow all these conflicts is very draining. Because we can see solution, but our people don't want to have solutions because, again, it's it's the power dynamics, right? But then we're not only dealing with African leaders that are also their politics is driven by ethnic groups and and greed, but we're dealing with uh, the colonizers, the colonial powers, the French, and of course, you know, the British Empire that the Queen has fallen, (laughs) right? But it's still very much alive. The institution of colonialism is still very much alive. And so it's it's, it's really exhausting. So being in Addis, it was a bit eerie because as a local in Addis, right, it's different when you're not a local, you don't understand the context. You would think everything is fine. Like uh, the president has done an amazing job of revitalizing Addis. The roads in Addis, oh my gosh, better than Philly, better than Accra, right? Right, smooth and 
all of that stuff. And then the parks, the greenery, the green space, you would not think that there's conflict happening, right? But there's conflict. There's fires all over. When you're an artist, you'd be like, oh, wow, it's artist, woo! But there's um, the other parts of Ethiopia are burning. Yeah, that's really heartbreaking to just think about it and that we don't have information and that it's geopolitical, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, yeah. anyway, we could go deeper, in, but, but we'll add some info on the show notes yeah. so that there's just a little bit more education because I think there's even a censorship yeah. lock in the country. Yeah. So I think even citizens don't have the full story. No. And that that's just kind of the challenge with media freedom. So you spent some time in Ethiopia mm -hmm. and then you spent also some time in your other home where yes. you are a majority, like yes. you say. Yes, yes, yes. Tell us tell us about that. So oh that one was so rapid, right? Because I literally went to LA, I came back, I unpacked, I repacked and went to Addis. I went to uh, Juba. I went to Juba. I went to South Sudan. And that was the me going to Juba was just it was an opportunity of a lifetime to go home in the way that I did. Only God could have orchestrated in the way that I went home. An amazing South Sudanese sister reached out to me. Her name is Margaret Mathiang, and she works for UNDP. And so UNDP was uh, one of the partners with one of our vice presidents, Vice President Rebecca Nyandeng de Mabir. So South Sudan has five vice presidents, by the way. And so she's the vice president of women and youth cluster. I think that's that's her proper title. If not, we'll figure it out. So they were putting a transformational woman leadership conference together. And so Margaret reached out and was like, hey, where are you? I'm like, I'm in Accra. She's like, we're putting a conference together. You know, if uh, an invitation was extended, would you be able to come? I was like, yes, I, I'm sure. Like, how can I be of help, right? So. I ended up being uh, a panelist on the role of not leaving behind voices of refugee, rural women, IDPs, and IDPs are internally displaced people, and diasporan women. So, so that's what I spoke on, okay. of um, because a lot of these population get left behind, yeah. right? And particularly, I, I mostly spoke from the refugee and the diasporan perspective because as a diasporan, I was one of the organizers that did a lot of work for the South Sudanese referendum. The, so South Sudan gained its independence in 2011. So we're the youngest country in Africa. And that took a lot of work, right? So we were in a civil war for over 20 plus years. Uh, we've lost over 2 million people. Yeah, in the war for self-determination. Those of us that were in the US, we did a lot of groundwork, right? But often there is those that are on the ground that did the physical fighting do not fully acknowledge our contribution, right? Because there's a sense of, but y'all were the lucky one that left. But we're like, but we were on Capitol Hill lobbying, lobbying for the cause, for policy, right? So work does not always have to mean that you're protesting, right? Even in the U.S., I remember when George Floyd was murdered, a lot of my a lot of family members called me because they knew I was the protester. I would be on the ground. I said, no, I've changed my tactics. I've left the streets. I'm in the policy tables now, right? Because if you're not on the table, you're on the menu. So I left a car and it was just, I mean, even speaking of now, a lot of emotions come back. And of course, like I was traveling with my American passport. I don't have my South Sudanese passport, but I have my South Sudanese ID. And so, but when I got to Kenya, 
there was a bit of difficulties because they were like, oh, you need an extra paper for visa and arrival. And I'm like, but here's my paper. This is the conference, this and this. I was getting a bit frustrated because I'm like, I'm South Sudanese. You had to go through Kenya to yeah. get to South Sudan. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Had to go through Kenya to get to South Sudan. And I was getting frustrated. And then there was a gentleman that came. I think he was escorting a minister. And he knows those ladies because I think that's his job or whatever. And so he asked me, he was like, Junubin? Junubin mean, are you a Southern? Right? I said, yes. I'm like, but they're giving me trouble or whatever. He's like, oh, do you have your ID? I said, yeah. I gave them my ID. He's like, please let her go. She's one of, she's, she's going home. And like right there, it hit me. I'm like, I'm going home. Oh. Yeah. And so I the last time I was in the South Sudanese soil was when I was seven years old. Wow. Yeah, it was a an hour flight. Yeah, it was just an hour and something flight. But like as we were getting to land, the emotions just hit me like I'm like, this is the land that my father placenta was buried. My grandmother placenta, my mother's placenta. My placenta is buried in Ethiopia. <laughs> right. So I have to stop you there because I love that you mentioned that. So tell us about that tradition. So like as indigenous people, I think most indigenous people, even, you know, yeah. all of us, when a child is born, their their placenta is buried in their land, right? It's either under a tree or something. So in Nuer, we call it, I think, lap. No, is it? No, 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 no. I need to figure it out in Nuer. But yeah, so when you, you know, your placenta is buried in your ancestral home, right? So for my people, we happen to be on both sides of the country. So my placenta Center was buried on the north side of Ethiopia and my father and my great grandmother and my mother. So my ancestral placentas were buried in South Sudan. So even though I didn't go to my state, yeah. I went to the Equatoria, uh, central Equatoria. That's where Juba is the capital. Yeah. But it's still I could still feel it. Wow. I could still feel the land. I could feel like I'm being welcome. And it was this like, oh, girl, I could not hold it in. You know, I was like, yo, I'm a thug. I sweat from my eyes. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's been 31 years. And then to return back, it was VIP treatment. Yeah. Right. Because we were with the heads of all these NGOs, international NGOs. They literally whiffed us from the airplane into the private, you know, area, VIP area where we met undersecretary. And then from there, they just put us in V8 and we were escorted to the hotel. And (laughs) like, I didn't even have to check in. I met my luggage at the hotel and to just be like, wow, this is home. Like, this is home. And then when I was at the hotel to just be welcomed in New Year by one of the sister, Angelina, Uh, she's an amazing woman that has a great foundation uh, in in South Sudan. I believe it's called Restorative Hope. Yeah, but she had welcomed me and it, it, but it was just the way she held her arms up and was like, Nyamal, welcome home. Like in my language, in Tungnuera, like you've been here, you're home, right? It was just like I was holding it together the whole time. But then also with home, there's tragedy, right? Because in 2013, after we had gotten our independence in 2011, South Sudan went into a civil war. Loaded. Another loaded conversation. Of course, there's a root cause, but there was a lot of, we killed each other, right? It started off with the presidential guards targeting my ethnic group, the newer people. Wow. Yes. And then from there, there was a retaliation. So victim became perpetrator, perpetrators became victims. And then uh, the politician used that um, again 
like any other uh, African countries towards their ethnic groups and politicize it. Right. And so for me, it was bittersweet to go home. But then also there was a lot of pain at home. But then when I was at the hotel to just see tall, dark skinned young ladies and men like myself, I had had a conversation, too, with the hotel management because they were using their Christian names. I'm like, why am I talking to Stephen? I should be talking to Deng. I should be talking to Galoag, you know. <laughs> but I understand, like, the conflict, right? Because people don't want to be associated with their traditional name because you'll know exactly where you're from. Oh, yes, yeah. you'll know exactly. So Nyamal, Galoak, those are newer names, you know, Deng, Majuk. No, Deng is actually newer in Denka. Majuk is newer in Denka. Uh, Kwaje, Kwaje is Equatorian. So you, we know ourselves with how we name ourselves as well. Yeah. And I understand, I get it. But for me as an indigenous person, I'm like, yeah. and with language loss and all of these things. So I was like, we should always try to use our indigeneity and, and so that we don't lose this to the global village because the global village is really consuming a lot of the ancient practices yeah 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 yeah. but yeah but uh, i mean it was amazing it was amazing being home and being among intelligent women women that are doing the work to really build a country right and fighting for equity not even equality i refuse equality (laughs) i'm like fighting for equity proper equity right so them navigating fighting for their places and systems but then also keeping families together you know holding their families up and because the war has done a lot on our men's psyche so the women are the one holding up right even though the systems are men led the women are the one holding up the systems that's kind of a story of war yeah like it's it's you always come back to women making progress mm-hmm. and then sometimes it gets dialed back yep. because the ego mm-hmm. of the fighters yes. comes in takes over yeah i'm just i i'm <laughs> feeling the 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 weight the lightness and the weight yeah. of, of that trip having gone to both your homes mm-hmm. in this year mm-hmm. let's talk about local speak I know. Yeah. So you're you're giving us a lot about you know the language mm-hmm. and, and um, talk, but 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 let's let's hear about local speak for there. So tell us a word, a phrase, or a saying that is a meaningful part of of that local and just your your local experience in, yeah. in your homeland. Yeah. So in South Sudan, the local speech is so many different languages, right? Because South Sudan has sixty four ethnic groups. Aha! Uh-huh, I know, right? And so English and Arabic happens to be the unifying languages, and then we all speak our other languages. Okay. I don't speak Arabic that well. Like, I know a bit of Juba Arabic. It's not even classic Arabic. Juba Arabic is equivalent to the African, African-American African vernacular. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or pigeon. Or pigeon, okay. right? Uh-huh. So, Mara. Mara means woman. Okay. Yes. So, they, oh, I forgot the slogan that we had, but basically it was like women empowerment. So, Mara is like woman, yeah. right? And then in Nur is Chiak. Chiak. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember one of the things, actually, this is very memorable, was I was talking to a couple of the uh, security men for um, our then Minister of Defense, Angelina Tang. Hey. She is now the Minister of Interior. 
Yes, but she was the first woman to be Minister of Defense in our country, right? And so they know my family, I know my family, because my, my father had worked with her husband and, you know, did some work. And then when we were in the diaspora, whenever the politicians would come, we were the ones community organizing and doing all of that before we even went to our war, right? When we were fighting for independence. So there's relationships there. So I remember her security guards, we were talking, and Margaret had came and was like, oh, have y'all met Professor Yamal? And everybody was like, wait, She's a professor. She doesn't look like it. Blonde hair, piercing, <laughs> right? Then I'm wearing African print. You know, I'm very unapologetic about my my wares. And so, you know, they did the questioning. We did the background, like, whose daughter are you? And all of this thing. And one of the guy asked, and whose wife are you? And Tugnur, he says, Whose wife are you? And so I replied to him in Nur. And so Tugnur, Tug means the language, and Nur is us. So the language of Nur. Yeah. So I reply, which means is like, I'm a girl, but I'm at the last branch of girlhood. Because we have systems of naming girls, right? So when you're like, at 12, a jinguar. Like you're, you're basically like a tree growing without branches, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but tut yonyal is like the last, sure, <laughs> right? Sure. Which they were like, oh, she's really grown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me that was a local. Like it was, okay, it was, yeah, 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 yeah it was yeah, local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then Mara, you know, yes. uh, in Arabic. Yeah. Uh, in Amharic, oh, Amharic was interesting. Being an Addis, there were so many. My every time I'm in Addis, my Amharic come back. Yeah. So Nur is my first language. Amharic is my second language. When we were in the U United States, my mother intentionally made sure that we only spoke Nur in the house, so that my siblings do not forget the language. Sure. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. And then we yeah. were able to commune with our grandmother and family and all of that stuff. So when I come back to Addis, like the language Amharic just rushes back to okay. me so much. Yeah. But one of the words that I love is just being able to hear Yene Konjo. Yene Konjo. Yep. Yene Konjo is like my beauty. Oh. Right? So. I remember that. Yes, Yene Konjo. So Yene Konjo, you can use it with, uh, you know, your sisters. You can yes. use it with your brothers. So it's like Konjiye, you know. It's like my dear. Yeah, my dear. Yeah. Konjiye oh. is my dear. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, not not Yeah. Yeah. No, too That one is when you really want to be like, I'm a grown, grown woman, but you know, girl, not so much. But Yene Kunju is just basically like, uh, so if you're at a restaurant and you want to get the waitress attention, you say, and then, yep. And then, yeah, just like my beauty, you know, our beauty, right? So that was, it was really lovely. And I often, when I was in Addis, because even in Addis too, those that live in Addis, they don't understand or haven't been to the other region. So when I speak Amharic, they're like, oh wait, you're Ethiopian? I'm like, hmm, right, yep. And there's even conflict in that too, because they will, because colorism is so real in Ethiopia, so real. Because as soon as they see you, they automatically say you're South Sudanese. And I'm like, no, I'm as Ethiopian as you are. 
Mm. Yeah, right? <laughs> I am South Sudanese, yeah. but I am yeah. Ethiopian as well, sure. right? Yeah. So, and it's kind of like the Somalis. The Somalis have three identities. They're Ethiopians, they're uh, Kenyans, and they're also Djibouti, right? Because there's right. those. Yeah, so I'm like, at least I'm only dealing with two. <laughs> we kind of started to have this conversation the last time about how the borders just, they don't do us any justice. No. They're just there and it is whatever. So, wow. But I love that. I love those those sayings. Well, I'm gonna try to get them in the show notes, folks. So so we'll you you'll be able to use some part of how this came about is I'm going to Ethiopia on my way to the the South African trip that I mentioned. And so I I reached out of course to my Ethiopian <laughs> sister to ask, you know, what should I do? So I'm really excited to see an, another country for as past due as it is. And so I thank you for giving me some language that I can use while I'm there. So let's talk about mindset. So we talked about your new business. And I want to get back to that a little bit. Let's talk about mindset. Cause the last time we talked about a mindset hack, your hack was meditation and you, you know, you beautifully, you know, discussed how that works, but you know, we have so many mindset hacks. So now after being in Accra for this many years and just living life, you know, fast forward, what, what are you, what are your favorite or innovative mindset hacks these days? Oh, there's a lot of hacks to life. Of course, meditation is still a practice every day. We all should be doing, but with the meditation, one of the hacks that I really, it's an uncomfortable hack that I really had, and I mean, we all talk about the positive hacks, yeah. but the one that I had to really practice is an uncomfortable and learning hack. And that's to uh, sit in my feelings. And this year has been a year of grief for me because I've been in physical war. And then when I went to the US, I was in a physical but emotional war, which is the racist war, right? So even though I was, somewhat physically safe in the U.S. because we, as black people, there's no physical safety either, right? So for me, sitting in Ghana has been godsend as well that I was able to just sit still and grieve. Grieve all the loss that I've lost since I was a child. Grieving my childhood because I didn't have a childhood. I was a child on the move, right? Just grieving not just physical loss, but friendships, pieces of my ecosystems. Uh, and, and also the idea of the American dream, which is, is stilled in us, right? What does an African dream look like? I love that, yes. For me, right? So in life, you have to lose and let go of things for new things to come. And so that's the mind hack, that the uncomfortable work that I've been doing, right? Because I'm like, if I'm going to be working healing work, if I'm doing healing work as, as a healer, right? As a practitioner, I also have to do my own work, right? And, you know, I, I would advise people out there that if you're doing any amount of healing work, if you're working with a practitioner, you will tell those of us that have done our own work and those that are still simmering. Yes. Right? Because yes. we can tell you, oh, do this, do this, do this, but are you practicing what you preach? Right? right? right. So for me, 
This year has been a year of grief. Yeah. And sitting in stillness. And sitting in stillness. Oh, sitting in it. Oh, sitting in it, processing it. What does it look like? Like, I remember, I I think it was two weeks ago. It was a Monday and a Tuesday. Oh, they were heavy. Heavy. Those two days were really heavy. And I think I've gotten to, I can be honest with it. I think I was at a point where I'm like, I truly know people that don't have practices or people that are dealing with their demons, why they get to the point of often wanting to take one's taking their lives right this is the work that you have to do but if you're in spirituality if you believe in there's a greater being you're being prepared for something greater right so sitting still in it but not ruminating in it for too long sure sure, right yeah 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 yeah. you that's the key you can ruminate you can i think we can speak french uh what's her name auntie jennifer lewis right there's a saying that she says that if you sit long enough in shit it will stop smelling Yes. Right. Yes. So you can't sit long enough in that yes. either. Right. As yes. much as you're sitting still, yeah. don't ruminate and don't sit right. too long in it. You won't move. So how do you balance that? Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a great hack. And I really appreciate that you brought up the hard work, you know, because we you're right. Most of my hacks are things that people mention are very uplifting. But but there are the times when we have to flip the switch in a different way so so thank you for that so you're in a startup let's talk about what's what do you see yourself in the next year so where where are we going with that where let's let's see what business looks like for Yamal in the next year so the Yamal group the Nya Eden Foundation business looks like thriving we're thriving and we're changing the mindset of our people to think of conflict is normal conflict is is normal right and so for me it's definitely working with corporations and individuals right because i think there's we can prevent a lot of things and i would actually like to for the next year get into the nation building work Mm. right because we can prevent these national conflicts we can really prevent these national conflicts how do we start having dialogue Mm. amongst ourselves right among the leaders because i don't understand why uh here in ghana we can have a country to like this we're the same people, but yet politicians are hoarding resources to their ethnic groups, to their this, and not seeing us as a people, right? And one of the things I loved about teaching at Webster University was in my introduction to human right class was radically having young people think about the collective black people and not just thinking about, oh, I'm Nigerian, I'm Togolese, you know, I'm Ethiopian or I'm Gambian or whatever, but think about being an African continentally, but think about being an African diasporally. Think about being African, as in those of us that are continental and those of us that were taken to various countries, right? So think of the collective black race. So for me, I would love to start looking at the national piece as well as doing the middle and the community work. So yeah, so I'm doing the three tiers, right? Doing the grassroots, the middle, which are corporation, and then hopefully getting into the national piece. I'm so looking forward any any way that the network of local citizens can help we're here for you you gave us some great reading tips last time so we always like to come back to it we we you know what it read or watch or listener all that good stuff i love those things but tell us what you're doing for yourself either reader reading watching or listening or what what are you doing for yourself that's not work that's not business that's not you know all of that so i started reading because i was reading for work you guys oh it's yeah. it's ridiculous but we we had a book club at, at webster okay so one of the books that i read was 
It was so funny. And I was like, you know what? I need to start reading more for leisure, yeah. for entertainment, because I don't do TV. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so one of the books that I read, I think it was like, nearly all men in Lagos must be mad or something oh, like that. That one. <laughs> it was so, let me use my British word. It was so cheeky. <laughs> It was so fun. And then what I've been watching of late, I'm a Star Wars fans. Mm. Yes, I am one of those so, black so women. Loki? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, Loki. I'm, I'm starting Loki. Oh, wait, no, Loki yeah. is not Star Wars. That's a little different. No, that's Marvel. So, okay. so I do Marvel and I do Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the last Star Wars story character that was taken that I watched was Ahsoka. Mm. Oh, it was amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I've been, uh, you know, I think last year, I was supposed to do like a watch marathon for Christmas because I don't celebrate Christmas. And then it was my Christmas away from the U.S. and family. I was I ended up catching typhoid and COVID. So I ended up not like, yeah, I was in, but I, en I ended up not watching. So this year I want to do like watching Star Wars in chronological order. <laughs> Because okay. all of us Star Wars fans, we geek out and we do that, right? So that's kind of what I've been, you know, watching. Like, I've just been saying. But then the issue with me is that when I watch these things, I watch them from a conflict resolution lens. <laughs> so I could never shut off the whole, like, well, you could have just did this and the, the conflict would have been solved, right? <laughs> so I have to learn to shut that off. Because even though media is for entertainment, there's lessons to be learned. Yes. There are lessons to be learned. I'm glad that you say that because that is exactly my mission is to teach lessons using media. And so I, I feel you there. Yeah. And then doing, I've been uh, just stepping out with sisters in Accra. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, honoring invitations. Yes, honoring invitations. And so, you know, Bella Freak is an amazing restaurant here in Ghana that I often meet friends there. And then the Mix is an amazing place where um, one of my colleague, Kwabi, he's a DJ. So they have like Sunday brunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kwabi, have you interviewed him? He's a local. <laughs> See? <laughs> that, that, that's Kobe Graham. Yep, Kobe Graham, amazing DJ. So on any given Sunday, he'll send an invite and be like, oh, come over to the mix and we will, you know, have an amazing brunch and listen to music. So yes. he's, he's a colleague. We, we teach at Webster together as yeah. well. And so, yeah, just being, being okay. with, with my ecosystem, with yeah. my communities and... I think for me, it's doing the community reconnection, right? Because when we're in the West, the individualistic yeah. is there. Yeah. We, because we're on the go, 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 yeah. right? As much as we're on the go here, there is a bit of space and time to breathe, Yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I breathe, I breathe with my community, awesome. you know, like yesterday yes. when we went to dinner. Exactly. Yep. So it was. Yeah. Could you imagine? I think we spent like almost four hours. Yes. <laughs> yes. Chill and, it just and we didn't even know time moved because yeah. we were talking exactly. about everything and everything, catching yeah. up and yeah. then talking about the global geopolitics yeah. that's happening because exactly. we also have to be aware. God forbid, as auntie say, God forbid, <laughs> we don't go into World War Three. Eh? But as Africans, what does that look like for us? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And are we going to be because uh, they will be proxy wars. Yes. Is it going to be in Africa? It is already in Africa, the proxy wars. So yeah. what is that going to look like? And we're still in COVID, people. 
as much as you know economic yes so eco are, yeah, yeah. Economic. Mm -hmm. economic covid so it's like what does it look look like right so for me i really appreciate the the time that we take to connect on a human level the human interaction because i think this generation is losing it with tiktok and scrolling doom scrolling mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah they're gonna have to come and check out their millennial and gen y elders <laughs> <laughs> or no, Gen X. Gen yeah, what is, is millennial, Gen Y, Gen X? Okay, I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm not a millennial. Yes, you. Yeah, exactly. I'm at the cusp, so I'm a millennial. So you know, <laughs> uh, we were digital immigrants, but these digital natives, ooh, Charlie. Right, mm. right, right. So I too am an immigrant. I'm an X. Yep. So proudly, right? I'm just like, I love Gen X. We we were the latchkey kids that are the chill mindsets. So so I'm. I'm I mean, played outside, and you know. AOL, you got mail. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Well, we're kind of dating ourselves, but it's okay it's because okay. the elder is okay. We got to welcome our rich auntie era. Yes. yes, the auntie era. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, well, this has been so lovely once again. It's always, we could talk, 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 but we know we, we got to head into, oh. <laughs> what was that? Was that a cargo? No, no. Yeah, that looked like a cargo. <laughs> Maybe I'll put a link in the show notes to the flight patterns over Accra or do something different. Yeah. The best place to watch flights come in is Living Room. Living Room is a restaurant in East Ligon that has local, uh, they serve local Ghanaian dishes. And that's where I go for my Ghanaian dishes. Not Buka. Not that I don't love Buka. I think Buka is a little bit more westernized. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I and the owner, Mr. Charles, amazing, yeah. like amazing, amazing human being. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love the story of him coming back and establishing such establishment. And so whenever I have friends come into town, we just go to living room. We sit, we have amazing, to, like local food, local food yeah. really local yeah. food. Keliwele is like, yes. Yeah, their Kotomarin yam is nice too. And so it's so funny you say that because I made that recommendation to some people that were in for this wedding I went to last weekend. Oh, I want to shout out another local citizen. Nana Ekua Bruhammond was married this last weekend here in Accra. So I'm wishing her and her, her, her husband, Dustin Hafner, a very, 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 very wonderful, lovely, newlywed life together. So the friends in town and I gave them that recommendation. They said, oh, we're going to go to Buka because I said, no, try, try living room and easily gone. So, so we're, we're on the same page. Yes, yes. So for me, when I came here, since I think I have dietary restrictions, yes. so I'm a vegetarian, but then I was like, you know what? Uh, when in Rome, do as Roman do. So when in Ghana, do as Ghanaians do, right? But instead of like, I haven't had meat for 15 years, yeah. right? So I was like, let me try fish. Yeah. So I tried all the local dishes with fish. Yeah. So I ended up finding out that, you know, red, red. Yes. Red, red is, there's, and then I, um, okra soup. Yes, instead of, as opposed to stew, soup, yes. But that is very similar to how we make okra in South Sudan and we call it bamia. Bamia. Uh-huh, okay. right? So I found similarities in the food and so, but I'm, I mean, I was grateful because again, they, during the first couple of months of being here, there was this level, this feeling of emotional homelessness that I experienced. And so food played a big, yeah, food find, played a big role. And I remember I was like, I was like, I'm homesick, but I couldn't pin which home. 
Was it South Sudan? Was it Ethiopia? Was it America? Yeah. And I just had to get peanut M&Ms. <laughs> and peanut M&M did it for me. And wow, expat living. Expat living. Okay, so Yamal, any last words you want to share with our audience before we sign off for today? Live. Live, live, live. Don't exist. I know we're in um, unprecedented times where there's a lot, a lot of shifting happening. There's a lot of shift happening. So don't be afraid of the unknown as much as is the unknown. Sometimes you never know your blessings could be on the other side, but do the hard work also sit still, but don't sit too long. Right. But also learn how to ask for help from your community, right? Because I was the person that everybody came to. I was the, I've been the one that took care of the village. So now I'm learning how does my village take care of me, right? So yeah, so for my strong people, learn to do that. And then for those of you that have friends, your strong friends, check on them. Because often we're, we're not, we put, a, we put a face up, we put a front to make sure everybody's okay, but we're falling apart inside, right? So check on your strong friends. Friend yes. and strong friend, learn how to ask for help from the community, from your ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, folks, this has been another episode of the podcast. You can catch us Tuesdays, new episodes at localcitizenspod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can like us, leave a review, share, subscribe on Amazon, on Google, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or Spotify leave us a review it helps others find great content on the internet so I thank you for joining me for another conversation with Nyamal Tudil and I look forward to sharing more about my most recent travels across the continent and I just thank you for joining me so until next time bye for now bye